Welcome to Broadway's Backbone with Brad Bradley, a podcast dedicated to the men and women of the ensemble, the chorus of dancers, singers, and actors that are the foundation of every Broadway musical. These often unsung gypsies are the hardest working people on the boards and are, well, Broadway's backbone. Welcome to episode 72. My special guest is Charlotte Dumboise. So I'm sitting here with Charlotte D'Amboise. Yes, perfect. Perfect. I'm so thrilled that you agreed to do this because you're such a legend, but you also have a long history of being a dancer from beginning. Yes. So I'm going to just start reading your credits and then I will, we will go from there okay. for your major credits because you probably have plenty more than this. Cats, Song and Dance, Carrie, Jerome Robbins Broadway, Damn Yankees, Company, Chicago, Contact, Sweet Charity, A Chorus Line, Pippin, and then Chicago and Chicago again. And Chicago and Chicago and Chicago. <laughs> we just were talking about you being born and raised in New York, but so start, where are you from and how did you get started? I was born in New York City, raised in New York City. I lived on 71st Street between Broadway and West End before Lincoln Center was built. Oh, wow. Um, so it was a really terrible, terrible neighborhood. And then Lincoln Center was built. We moved there. My father was a ballet dancer with the New York City Ballet, and my mother was also. And so we had this, you know, we would go to ballet class. We kind of lived in sort of the projectsy kind of area with a whorehouse across the street. And then we had this other world that was this ballet world. So it was really cool. So I had an upbringing that was kind of a tough, tough public school girl fighting my way through school, and then a little ballerina. But actually, I was never really a pretty... I was always dirty, because I just remember I was always coming from the park. <laughs> I never really quite fit in the ballerina world. But anyway, but it was, uh, that was my exposure to the arts at a very young age. And just growing up in New York City makes you aware of the arts. I think you can't grow up... You know what I mean? If you grew up here, you're always aware of the arts, because the yeah. city is filled with it. So it, I was lucky. I was really lucky in that way. Is that the question? That is the question. And so you grew up in a very dance-oriented family. Was it just expected for you to be in the family business, or did you choose to? Well, you know, in those days, you know, people weren't packed with millions of things to do after school, which, you know, I have kids now, and, you know, we just filled their schedule up, like, so crazy. So, you know, we would all go to school, and we were all hyperactive and had ADHD, you know, four of us kids that were just completely physically inclined. And my parents put us in ballet because there was no... First of all, they couldn't afford anything else. Mm. It was free for us because they were in the company. Oh. So we got to go to the school free. And it was like, give them something to do. They initially just said, you have to agree to do it. And if you agree to do it, just finish out the year. And then the following year, you can decide whether you want to do it or not. So they never pushed us. Okay. But we loved it because we got to do all the ballets in New York City Ballet. Nutcracker and Holoquinade and Midsummer, All the Balanchine ba- Balanchine was there at the time. So we, we got to be in all the kid ballets and it was fantastic. We were performing at eight years old. That's why we stuck with it. It was also a beautiful world. So they, we would never felt pressure, but we definitely got the exposure. Right. They were able to put us there and we stayed as long as we stayed. And then each of us kind of left at certain times right only my brother and I were left and then I left pretty early too to pursue Broadway I knew that I didn't want to be a ballet dancer I also didn't have the feet that I really could not have been a ballet dancer ultimately you know in the company I didn't have that kind of potential and my brother did and he continued and then my sister moved to Santa Fe New Mexico and became a teacher and my brother older brother now works as a nurse in a prison 
in Boulder, Colorado. So a real mix of definitely people yeah. in the family. Yeah. So what was it that you knew that concert dance and ballet wasn't for you, but you wanted to transition to Broadway? You know, at a very early age, I was obsessed with, uh, my mother used to play Judy Garland all the time. And so I, I listened to her and then Barbara Streisand and I was obsessed with Broadway. I always loved that world. So at a very young age, I was sort of separate from everybody in my family. I just sort of was really, just loved it. And I sang all the time. I sang and I sang. And I, my dad used to encourage me all the time to sing and my mom, because it was just like, oh, there's some, somebody could do something else in this family. <laughs> besides like, she, you know, besides dance. So they were just so happy that something, so they would just over encourage me, you know. You know what it was? I took a character class. They had, oh. In ballet, they teach character dance, which is like kind of like flamingo-y kind of thing. And I suddenly did that. And I remember going, oh, there I am. Oh my God, there I am. Like it was like this other personality came out that felt so right. And after that, I started to take jazz everywhere. I just took jazz everywhere in the city, studied with everybody I could. In those old days, it was like Bill Black. And yes. I studied with him like, you know, he taught me so much. You know, Michael Owens and Rick Atwell. And I just wanted to learn every style because I wasn't good at it. I, I, I you know, I had to really learn how to dance that. But then it was right. Right. And then I just, want, all I wanted was a Broadway show. That was it. At like, 15 years old, that's what I knew I wanted. I didn't care if I was in the chorus at all. That's all, carrying a spear in the back. <laughs> I just wanted to be in a Broadway show. And so was Cats your Broadway debut? Cats was, but I had been auditioning for everything. And I remember Cats, yeah, for everything since I was 14 years old. And when I was like 15, I remember 14. No, because I still had braces on, auditioning for a course line. It was in coming in town. At 15 years old, you auditioned for Broadway. 14, I love that. I was maybe even 14, 15. And I auditioned for, and, and in those days, you did it in the theaters. In yes. the theaters. So it was at the Schubert. And there were lines around the block, lines around the block to go in, you know. And you would go into the theater and you'd sit there and you'd wait and you'd do the ballet combination and the jazz combination. And then you would, anyway, and I was literally 15 years old in ballet slippers. I didn't even have heels, didn't know, and braces, braces on my face. You know, and I remember doing the ballet, and Tom Reed, who was the guy that kind of ran the auditions. Anyway, I got all the way to the end, and then they gave me the scene to read for Val, tits and ass. Like, this is so ridiculous now that they would actually, with a girl with braces, but I don't know, whatever. I was 14, 15 years old, and I remember reading that scene, and I, I obviously didn't get it, but that's where I met Tom Reed, who eventually was very much part of Casting Me in Cats years later so it's, it's all it's, you know in the Broadway community it really you do make connections even in auditions and they somehow you know yeah. you see that and especially later in life you see how everything kind of connected in a weird way but eventually he cast me or was helpful in the first national company of cats okay and then you were uh, Cassandra I was Cassandra and just the Siamese cat? I was the Siamese cat, wow. yes. Which that actually I kind of think they didn't know what to do in the I auditioned for it originally and here I was 16 it was on Easter Sunday, my final call back. There were five of us left for the two kitten rolls and the white cat. And then I remember um, Cynthia Rubia, who you probably don't know. You, you I've met her, yes. but well, She was like the girl at that time. And I remember her walking in to late, late to the audition. And I remember thinking, ah, I'm not going to get it. Because <laughs> she's so great. And, and I did not get it. She got it and two other, the other girls. But I remember it was Easter Sunday. It was like 11 o'clock. We went to the theater and there was a final call back for cats. But I knew that I would get that show eventually. Right. And then I, the first national I got, and they cast me as Cassandra, which really they usually cast tall, tall, thin. Yeah. 
I was not the norm. I was very athletic. They knew I was a strong dancer, and they, they wanted that. So anyway, I got it. And then I eventually went to Broadway, and that's where I met my husband. Look at me. I am just... You don't even have to ask me a question. I know. It's I fantastic. will just talk. <laughs> I, I love All it. All right, so there you go. So easy. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to wait until you ask me a question because I can just go on that. So then I met my husband there. Oh. He wasn't married, though, at the time. and We weren't together then, but that's when I fell in love with him. When he, oh, he that's amazing. Did you fall in love with him from as Tugger? I saw him in the show, and I thought he was great. But the real moment when I fell in love with him, and it's so stupid because I guess you would say was what well, was love at first sight or lust at first sight. I just remember I went backstage and he was walking down the stairs in his like 80s hair and his <laughs> cologne, like his cologne, like nobody wears cologne anymore, but he had this cologne, I can even smell it. And he, and he would just finish the show and he kind of saw me and he just kind of came up close to me in his face and his eyes and I just remember melting. And he remembers that moment too, actually, really clearly. So it, I guess it was a special moment and I guess it was, I would say, I would love to say love at first sight. But I think it was lust at first sight. Uh, you know what? It, but it's it survived, and yeah. you have you have kids, and you have a successful yeah. theater marriage, which is incredible. Yeah. And I saw the Cats' first national tour. Oh, um, you did! And it was I, I couldn't well, wait to be in it. Funny, that is so funny. You saw it in Washington. Where did you I think see I saw it, it in Los Angeles and in oh, San Diego. Oh, I wasn't there then. Oh. I had left. I did it just in Boston and part of Washington, and then yeah. I left to New York. So, and I just you remember as a kid, yeah, yeah, just I being did. like, this is a show about dancing. Yes. I mean, yes, it was about cats, but like if, you're, if your heart is wanting to be a dancer. Dancer, this is it. But you know what's interesting? I saw this last. Did you see the, the revival? I didn't. Okay. Well, I went to the revival, and it was so interesting because it's, it, it's so flawed in so many ways, the show. Right. And it kind of like, I saw the first act, and I'm like, oh, God, this is just not working. I don't, I don't, I mean, and then the second act, you know, by the second act, you kind of drink the Kool-Aid, and you're just with it. And I walked out of there thinking, what? is it that just makes you fall in love with the show and and yes the dance but also i think it's literally the playfulness like mm. it's something about people acting as cats and and the playfulness that reminds you of being young and and the world of play that we're not allowed to do as adults anymore. Very true. And it, I thought that's what the appeal is. You yeah. know what I mean? It was interesting. Yeah. But anyway, so fun to do. When yeah. you're 18 years old, you're just playing. Yeah. And it's a definite workout. And... It's a workout. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I couldn't dare to do it now. Plus, I'm... <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. Did you, uh, you didn't do the show. I never got uh, to do it. Um, but it's, it, I auditioned for it, and then the casting people called me for something else, and it was my... Broadway debut, but I didn't get Cats, but got something else. So it's, you know, they always. And what was your Broadway debut? Steel Pier. Oh, you did Steel Pier. Yes, that was your first. That, that was, was my first. first. Well, God, what a cast you I had know. on that one. Before the that, though, my very best. first big show was A Christmas Carol with your husband as oh, Scrooge. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That was yeah. my first. Oh right, right. I just moved to New York and oh, got that, and God, I just remember. A lot of work. A lot of work. Yeah, I remember Pretty he was fun. so kind. It was like, if this is your first thing, he's like, eight shows is going to be fine compared to 15. Yeah. Or yeah. 12. I mean, depending. Yeah, that knocked him down, boy. That was, yeah, that was, was hard. That was a lot. And it's during the holidays where you're already dealing with family and so much stuff, you know, and yeah. then you're doing 15 shows. I don't know how. It, yeah, it was crazy. So with song and dance, I love song and dance, and I... I think that a lot of people don't realize that the second act is basically a dance play. Everyone knows like the first act of, is from her perspective of a relationship and the second act is from his. How was it doing a dance play and also working with your brother? Well, that was like a dream come true for me, that show. And I, I got it when I was in Cats, I remember, and we did the workshop and I auditioned for it. And also not only was my, there were only, how many people were, well, six people, mm. that's it. Yeah. Dancers. It was a featured piece. I think there were only four girls. 
four girls, four guys, yeah. eight of us or something, and then my brother. My best friend also got cast in it, who went to ballet school with me, Denise Fay. So my best, best friend and my brother and me, it was heaven. It was heaven. And then Peter Martins choreographed mm, it, yes. who was New York City Ballet. So it was kind of the roots of my ballet world kind of coming together on Broadway where I was more comfortable. And yet it was such a wonderful experience. And then working with Bernadette Peters was a lesson every day. I mean, to watch her. And not only as a performer, but the way she handled herself, dealing with people and, and the politics of it all, and mm. how gracious and smart. It was a lesson of how to act as a person in rehearsal. She oh, was, wow. Yeah, it, it really taught me a lot. Plus, she would just never say no. Mm. She, they would ask, she would do something, and I would think, oh, that's not a right choice. And she would, and even though she would know it, I know she, you know, she, she but she would just try, try, try until, you know, she was just an amazing person. I was, I learned so much from Bernadette and that show was very special because it was such a tiny cast and everybody loved each other. It was Greg Burge and Greg mm. Mitchell who both passed, yes. has, have, have passed away since, and, but incredible talents, Cynthia and Rubia. But anyway, uh, here yeah. I am yakking away. But no, was, yak away. It was just great because we didn't have to show up at half hour. We showed up a little later. Mm. So we were only in the second act and it kind of spoiled us, I have to say, in yeah. a way. It was really a joy. And we got, all got featured. Everybody was featured in a nice way. Yeah. So it was, it was a special time, that show. And dancing with my brother, except, you know, it, it was an incestuous dance I did with my brother. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> totally. And actually, I saw a little clip of it recently, and I'd forgotten. Like, there's a moment where I'm mad at him, and I walk away. Like, you know, like he's my lover. I mean, it's so funny when I look at it now. I'm like, I can't believe we did that. What am I thinking? And I remember people used to say, are they husband and wife, Charlotte and Christopher Dumbwalls? Like, no, they're brother and sister. <laughs> it was a little weird. It was a little creepy and weird, but whatever. I loved dancing with him. Oh. I lo- and, and when he left the show, it was hard for me. That He just knows every... We just feel each other in yeah. such a great way. Yeah. And so after two great successes, your next show was Carrie. Right. And I think, I mean, like now, I think it's a big cachet to talk about Carrie and how... Yeah what a big flop it was and but at the time it probably was heartbreaking it was again a big lesson you know you learn and it taught me that you can't you know you enjoy the show while you're doing it and you never know how the audience how it's going to react and you may close in in a weekend yeah and that's and it's not your fault and it's just that taught me a lot so to this day if my husband too if you get into a show and it closes and you're just like okay you know it's sort of part of it all right actually you may have more flops than hits yeah and that's all good it's all okay so that was you know the first thing that taught me that but it was painful a little bit not really because we had done it in london so we did get a run in it okay you know i didn't have feel and it was such a physical physically hard show for me that truthfully there was a bit of relief <laughs> I was like, oh my God, I'm not going to have to, because it was just so much for me. Yeah. Physically. We did a weekend. I mean, we, we literally ran a weekend. We did two weeks of previews, but I have to tell you, so many people saw that until it's two weeks of previews yeah. to this day. And, and not only once, like twice. I, a few people were like, oh yeah, I saw it twice. And I said, in those two weeks? Because people are obsessed with that show. Yeah, they really it are. It really is obsessive. It was a lesson and it was hard. And I remember coming off stage during previews and going, oh my God. I think I heard booing. <gasps> like, was that booing? I, I literally, I remember calling my mom at night saying, I, I'm not sure, mom. I, they were either screaming or they were booing. It, it was so weird to me. And they were actually booing. 
Like they're, blah. but it was. That's what they really should have gone with the show. It should have ended up being kind of a cult sort of whatever. It ended up being that. Yeah. Like the audience felt that they could behave that way, and, and it was it was okay for me. But I think it was really hard for Betty Buckley and Lindsay because they were really doing heart wrenching scenes. Yeah. And then the audience would be laughing in the middle of the fact she's stabbing her daughter. You know, it was interesting yeah. ride. It was an interesting ride. Oh, for I sure. bet. Yeah. Well, the next ride you went on was Joan Robbins Broadway, yes. which. I mean, working with the legend, and you got to play Peter Pan, correct? Is that? I did, I did. Yeah. I did, yeah. yeah. Uh, how was, I mean, how was that? Because the stories you hear from about working with him are so excited and so thrilling, but also very, like, it was so difficult because he's so demanding. I mean, what was your, your ride, personal ride? My personal ride was that it was the, the, one of the best rides of my life. Mm. And I, to me, yeah, demanding, yeah, I love demanding. Mm. To me, if anybody is passionate about their work as I am, then I, or even more, fantastic. Like, it, it, you know, he was completely lived and breathed. And when you were in the rehearsal room from nine to seven, your attention was, it was just nonstop. And you went with him on this ride and it was fantastic. I mean, he was, it was just, you just lived in this world of art. Yeah. And you felt taken care of. And what I mean is, not emotionally taken care of, but taken care of that I felt if I just gave myself over to him completely, I was going to be great. I didn't have to do anything. That's what I felt. Yeah. I felt I could just give myself to him. He tells me what to do and I'm going to be great. And it's going to be great. Once you've had that, it's kind of hard with other directors and stuff because you realize you're not taken care of. Right. Like he was so, I mean, he watched you, there was somebody on you the whole time. This doesn't work, that didn't, oh, that, set, that line didn't work, try it this way, try it. That. Every day he would have different notes to try, to try, to try, to make it better, to make it better, make it better, make it better. And he did. Sometimes it went down and around, and but, the, but in the end product, it was everybody's performance. I just saw a clip recently of this Max Sennett number, which we rehearsed for six months, and it's all slapstick and very fast, and this and that it goes. And we, I can't tell you how we rehearsed you know, move your hand here, move your hand here. No, actually, look here. Now, say the line and look in the audience. No, don't do that. Look at the audience first, say the line. Like, it's literally like that. And then I watched it and I thought, oh my God, this looks so spontaneous. There's not one moment in this that looks like it's been rehearsed. It looks so like it's in the moment. Like, he was brilliant. I, I, I can't tell you how brilliant he was. And do you think it's because of your dance background that you're able to just take notes and like what he like if you doing? If he loved you if you could take direction well mm. so if you could take direction well and be quick if you weren't if you weren't quick you'd have a hard time with him mm. you had to be quick you had to be, you know be able to take his direction and um and that's acting direction and dance direction so the combination of both he really loved personalities and actors he really loved actors and dan and acting through dance he really was all about that i mean very few things were just technique. If you weren't able to do that, he'd, he'd have a hard time with you. And he'd also have a hard time with you if you upstaged people. Oh. Like, he was all about focus, which he also taught me a lot, too. Everything is about what the audience needs to be looking at. And especially with comedy, especially with physical comedy and stuff going on, it's all about what da 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 set you want the audience to look here, 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 here. And he... Make sure that your eye is going to the right place at the right time. And so if somebody is over there 
getting your attention, he'd get really mad. And if you kept doing that, you're, he would fire you. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> he'd yeah. be gone. Yeah. So it was all about, you know, how to focus. And that's what he was brilliant at. And that's why his shows, I mean, he, he focuses the moments that need to be focused and where he wants your attention to be. Yeah. And it drives me crazy when I see shows that are unfocused or directors that work that don't know how to focus a scene. Yes. No, I can Or actors do. that are constantly don't know how to in a scene when you gotta give to the other person and realize that when you give in to the other person, it actually makes a scene better when it's the right time. Yeah. A lot of act people don't realize that. He taught me that. Oh, that's great. Yeah. That's a good lesson. Yeah. Um, so when you replaced in Dan Yankees, you started to solidify yourself that you're no longer a featured dancer, you're a leading lady. Well, you know what? I felt like I started doing that in Carrie, because Carrie, I played a part in oh. that. I was the bad girl in that. And then <gasps> I was, but I wasn't the leading lady, you're right. And then in Jerome Robbins, I was featured a lot in that too. So it, I sort of, but you're right. Damn Yankees was definitely the star of the show. Yeah. The female lead. So I guess you're right. You're right. Yeah, I just got lucky and got that. I mean, I wanted it bad. I wanted it bad and, you know, I got lucky. I got lucky. And that was another incredible experience because I worked with Robbie Marshall mm. who re-choreographed things for me because he had done, BB New, I replaced BB Newworth in that. BB, you know, had her way of dancing. So he came in and re jigged it for me and with uh, Jack O'Brien and it, I had the time and I got to do it with Victor Garber and Jerry Lewis. Oh, wow. And, you know, Victor Garber, you know, he's like the best actor in the world. Yes. And had a huge crush on him. So that was just beyond heaven. And then Jerry Lewis was an icon and also just an incredible, incredible human being and incredible talent. And, and I was got to be a gorgeous, sexy. Yes. Have fun, right? Yeah. And I had the best entrance in history. She's talked about. Yeah, yes. And then she doesn't come till like, Lola doesn't appear until like at least 45, 50 minutes into Oh, okay, show. yeah. And she, I came from the bottom of the stage and I laid down in lingerie with my legs <gasps> up on the phone. So all oh, that yeah. came up from the stage in the smoke were my legs first. You just see legs coming. Da, 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 da. And you see the legs come up, the legs come up, the legs. And I'd be on, I was on a couch. And then it like came down. It was just such a great entrance. I remember thinking, oh my God, nothing could be better than this. It was oh, great. Wow. Well, the next shows that you did was the, the first of uh, stepping into Don McKechnie's shoes and did company. Is that correct? I think you're right. Yes. How was that? Because uh, I remember it was, it didn't seem to land. Actually, it did land. We did it at the roundabout. And it was, uh, and that again, that production, Robbie Marshall and Scott Ellis, uh, oh, yes. one of my favorite people in the world. And the cast was like me and Jane Kwiatkowski and LaChance doing You Could Drive a Person Crazy. Oh, wow. I mean, uh, oh my God. And, and I thought Kate Burton was in and it. And Kate Burton was in it. And Deb Monk, Danny Burstein, Boyd Gaines. It was so awesome. Uh, and I love doing that. So yes, and it was supposed to move. We were we were in contracts. We finished all our contracts. We had a theater, and we were going to move to Broadway. It was kind of like a short run, and then we were going to move to Broadway. And it didn't happen because I'm not sure, but I think it was had to do with Boyd Gaines, and I think Scott Ellis was very loyal and wanted to do with Boyd, and Boyd was having vocal problems, and it was kind of a mess with all that. And I'm not quite sure what happened. And the, Producers insisted on something, and he wanted something else, and it all kind of fizzled out. Oh, it's so it's so unfortunate. It is unfortunate because the show was received and was great. Really, I mean, to me, it was my favorite company that I've seen. Oh well, of course, and you got to do the TikTok number. We did the TikTok number. Yep, 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 yep. And I mean, why? It's frustrating that I have I've only seen the show when that number's cut. And I don't understand that because it's like this yeah. great 
dance number. It was. It was great. And we did it. We did it. Except when I was out with the neck problems and they cut it. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't have any to cover it. Yes. It was awesome. You can see it at Lincoln Center. Oh, I can? Yeah. Oh, excellent. It was a roundabout limited run for three months. Oh, okay. And then it was going to move. You had already practically signed our contracts. Oh. Sad. So shortly after that, your history with Chicago seems like it could be a whole podcast in itself. First of all, I'm so impressed you've done your homework. Well, yes. You've done your homework. <laughs> You're just moving right along with my life. Um, yes, yes. I think it says from 1999 through current day, you just go in and out and in and out. Yeah, I'm actually going back in this Saturday. Oh, wow. For a week. And it's always Roxy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they, they talked to me about it at one point because some of the Roxy's in Velma, they switch off and they've talked to me about doing Velma. But I'll, I'll be honest with you, I never, well, first of all, I've seen it, I've sat in that chair and watched Can't Do It Alone so many times, <laughs> that number, that there's just no, it's like I've done it. Right. So I, I, there's no passion for me to do it. It feels like I've done it for already 20 years. But also, I, I don't think I'd do a good job. I think I'd be okay. Mm. And I don't want to be just okay. Yeah. Better people that are more right for that role than I am. I could do it. Yeah. And I would make choices and pro and I'd have to make some interesting choices to make it work for me and not really what's really right for the part. Right. And I, and I know that people that are definitely more right for it. I'm definitely the Roxy. It's, it's just who I am. Yeah. And, and I feel like it fits me like a glove and that other people could do better. Yeah. So I don't want to just. Do it. Oh, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I've seen you do Roxy and you're wonderful in it. And so have you enjoyed being able to like come and go and Oh come my back? God, it's the best thing in the world. I mean, who knew when I was cast in this first national company of it, I, I, if I had known that this would have been my cash cow for, <laughs> for 20 years, I mean, and that it would be something that I would go in and out of for 20 years, I would never win a million years. And also, I mean, shows run for that long, but never is there a role that you can do when you're 30 and do when you're 50. Yeah. For a girl, I mean, maybe the Phantom, right? Mm, maybe the maybe. Phantom, you yeah. can do that, right? You yeah. can do that Phantom because he's got a mask on. And he's yeah. Like, and, but, but men get away with it more but than also women do. Yeah, I mean, I just, there are very few, right? Yeah. That you can do when you're 30. And I looked 25 at the time. I probably looked 25 when I did. So, for like looking 25 to looking 60, I could look 60, I could do it till I'm 60. Yeah. Because that the role can be that. She can be older, she can be younger. She yeah. Can, um, it was originally made for, I remember when I first did, they were like, oh, she's too young, she's too young, she's too young. I was the first young person they cast as, as Roxy. It was never conceived that way. He yeah. conceived it as 50-year-olds. So now I'm actually right in the pocket of the age range he wanted it for. But it's a great role because you can, you can grow with it. Yeah. You can grow with it and age with it. Age with it. Right now, the person playing Velma is in her 50s. Oh. So it's, it's cool. Yeah. And it seems like the Weislers really like you because there was a time when you were the standby for Sweet Charity. Yeah. And weren't you going back and forth between yeah, I theaters? Yeah, I did two things. The Weisslers were doing, the producers were doing Sweet Charity and Chicago. And Barry took me out to, to lunch and he said, listen, I really want you. I mean, he said, I would love for you to stay doing Roxy, but would you come and cover Christina Applegate in Sweet Charity too? And you'll get double paychecks and we would just use you when we need you. And I said, okay, great. So that's what I did. I did. I, so I was doing two shows at the same time. I mean, there was one time I did a matinee of one and an evening of, one, of another one. That's crazy. And I just grabbed my wig. I literally used the same wig. 
from both shows. <laughs> and I remember I'd be like, you're on tomorrow, tonight for Sweet Charity. And I was like, okay, just give me, pack up the wig. And I go over to the other theater. It was crazy. That is crazy. It's crazy. I don't know how I did it because I barely had any rehearsal. I mean, six months would go by and then I'd be on for it. But then I finally just kind of let go of it. I remember thinking, you know, Charity, you're just so the lead in that show that you just kind of do whatever you want. (laughs) And I thought, if I mess up the steps, it's okay. It doesn't matter. I'm like up front and everybody's behind and I just do whatever I want. Once I kind of let go of it all, I was like, okay, it's fine. (laughs) And when Christina hurt herself, did you do it for... I did did it for a little while. I I actually did the first week and a half of previews oh um before it even opened because she was out with her broken foot she was a she was a trooper that girl yeah <laughs> girl she got in that show and she still her foot was still fractured i mean she's crazy determined smart talented great woman i have to say she was impressive to me yeah in every way like she was old school surprisingly because she's mostly just done film and television you don't usually get people that are like that and she is she is a workhorse that girl it was impressive well it seems like I mean you're a workhorse too going back and forth so you know what I mean it's not a quality that you see all the time yeah you know I do and especially not that I want to put down film and television but when you've grown up and she has grown up since a young age doing that it's a different kind of mentality and work ethic and she boy She's impressive. She was impressive. And then she pretty much hung in there. I mean, she wasn't out that much after once she got back in, (laughs) when she got in. She Uh, wasn't out that much. I like her a lot. I wonder how she's doing. Yeah. Yeah. So I heard a rumor that you take ballet class every day. That's a big rumor. It is. Yeah. You know what? I used to. (laughs) That rumor must have been something I said in something a long time ago. Well, I used to, and I used to also, well, and then when I stopped doing ballet, I I would do always a ballet bar, Mm. you know, before a show. Which I do a little bit. I still do that. I still do that. I still do a plie. I'm still doing plies and tendus, pretty much, and then a little developé, and maybe some jumps. I still do that. Mostly, I do yoga and Pilates. Oh, okay. Now. Yeah, and hot yoga. You like the hot I yoga? I do now because when I'm when you get older, I find it so helpful. So helpful. Yeah. When I was younger, no, I wasn't going to do that. I could, nothing could be fast enough for me. <laughs> like, let's just skip the tondus and do the jumps. Yeah. Like, there was nothing. <laughs> and, and I can't bear a bar. And right. now it's like, just let me do a plie as slow as I can do it. <laughs> <laughs> so what has been your, your dance discipline up until this? I mean, how, I mean, how did you maintain... I remember saying when I was dancing, when I was in, on Broadway, and I remember saying, I'm going to not be that person who doesn't take class every day. I'm going to be that person that takes class every day. You know, I yeah. was very much like that. Yeah. And, and, and I did. And, I, and that was not only with dancing. It was with acting. I was always in acting classes, even when I was doing shows, and I was always, and I always encouraged that with my students. That is not the, you know what I mean? You got to keep growing and learning. Once yeah. you get a Broadway show, that's not it. Right. You got to keep moving and looking ahead and, and taking classes and learning and learning. So it, I did do that for years, but I haven't, once my children came, Oh, right. All that stopped. That's a whole full-time job. Yeah. All that stopped. And suddenly, you know, you're not taking care of yourself anymore. You're barely hanging on with yourself and you're taking care of your kids. And they become number one. And you're just, you know, lucky if you can get a haircut. Right. That's pretty much <laughs> yes. it's, it's my, it's my world. And I was working a lot during that time. So kids were little. Actually, the kids were little when I was doing the Sweet Charity and the Chicago. Oh, thing. my gosh. I had two little kids. So I was lucky enough to get a yoga class and a bar class you know what I mean that kind of thing now I do Chicago I do hot yoga usually beforehand oh okay and 
it makes such a difference. Yeah. It makes such a difference. Yeah. So I don't know if that was helpful. No, very. And when did you add voice training into your program? Because I know you said you sang as a kid, but when did you realize yeah, I, I have to do everything oh, in this yeah. business? I started singing when I was, I mean, I'm not one of those people that are, yeah, I started taking voice lessons when I was probably like 16. And then I would do like once a week or you know, I'd go in and out of it. And especially when I was younger, I, I was taking voice lessons. And then also you'd have somebody that would you would coach with, with songs and all that and now I don't do that as much but once in, I, I try and acting classes, well you know the song you know your well, show well Roxy I don't have to but, <laughs> but with other things I had to sing on the cruise and I mean if I ever go to audition I don't even have anything anymore like an, like they say bring your book <laughs> and I'm like uh, no <laughs> I'm not going to bring a book I have like uh, nothing in my book so usually I'm singing the song from the show especially right. when I go in I'm just like just Give me the song. I'll learn the song. And then acting classes, I took like crazy. Now yeah. I don't because I just don't have the time anymore. Yeah. But maybe now I can start, I can get back into it again. I yeah. mean, my kids are a little older, so it's just, I'm just at the cusp that like I can sort of get a haircut. Right. <laughs> yes. So what has your relationship been with body image, especially as, as a woman and the pressures on that and also aging? Because it's, it's a whole different thing. You know what I mean? The eating and the yoga class like that. Were you, are you hard on yourself? I'm more vain about my body than I am about anything else. Mm. I think. I've realized that now because I, I definitely, my physicality was, was what gave me confidence in my life. It was a young kid even, just being able to do anything physically, feel like I can. So to me, losing that in any way is, is, is a loss, a death. So that's a struggle because as a dancer, you definitely lose it. And, yeah. and, and that's why I actually don't like to dance that much anymore because it's a painful because I can't do what I used to do. Yes. But as far as my body, uh, yeah, definitely, you know, things change, menopause, you know, it's a big thing in the world to you guys out there. Your body definitely changes. I've become vegan pretty much. Oh. Except today I did have a turkey sandwich, but mostly I'm <laughs> vegan. I'm mostly vegan. That helps. Getting rid of dairy, big difference, I think, with your body. It huh. really helps sort of, I don't know, to me it's made a big difference. But I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's important for me to stay fit. Yeah. It really is. And aging sucks in every way. And especially when you're in... The world of what we do yeah. and we have to selling ourselves it's difficult and it's difficult because you've sold yourself for so long as one kind of person this young person and now I have to sell myself as an older person and I kind of don't know how to do that you know what I mean when I, when I even read things or who I am I'm still that person yet I'm not gonna be cast as that person so now I got to play this other person this person is over the years as an artist it's actually it's being an artist yeah. and you're, you're the art so you have to kind of keep reinventing yourself and if you don't keep reinventing yourself then you're not going to last yeah. in the business you're not going to last yeah. and, and then you have to want to keep reinventing yourself and that desire is what I think why a lot of people do leave the business at some point because they lose that desire of wanting like they did when they were 20 yeah. you have to still really want it and then be willing to re keep, re keep reinventing yourself. Yeah. And then if you can, you'll keep working. Yeah. A role that probably connected to you really well, and you received a Tony nomination for the role of Cassie in A Chorus Line. That's a huge, iconic role that it's probably a lot like you. Was it intimidating stepping into that role, or did it fit you like a glove, and you were like, I know exactly who this woman is? <sighs> hmm. Okay. 
this is complicated. It's actually not that complicated. Yes, I know exactly who that woman woman is. I mean, for me, it's different for Donna McKetney. Right. She played it at a different time than I played it. I played it, I, I feel like the way she played it was fantastic and brilliant, actually, and really it, the role, and it was made for her. I played it much stronger of mm. a woman of a different generation, yeah. which either worked or didn't work. You either liked it or didn't. I played her truthful to me mm-hmm. of who she, of who I would be in that situation, which is how you have to attack any role. Completely honest, completely truthful, and completely painful mm. because it was too true, all of it. And not completely all true but also just here it's it's really difficult to do for two years a part where you're begging for a job and you're at an audition yeah it wears on your soul in not a good way and for me it was not a really it was a hard time for me Mm. I was also in my 40s I wasn't young having to dance that Cassie dance everybody else on the line was 20 years old so I was twice their age, and here I am, you know, it, it, and, that, and that show, it's, it's hard, that dance, the song, you didn't have to, I, I struggled with that show. If I did it for three months, it would have been great. You had the cathartic, but to, to keep it up for two years was really hard uh, physically for me and mentally. Mm. And also, Cassie, I'm used to playing roles that are comedic, a little bit of comedic, or if not, they're allowed to be. This role is not. She's, as soon as you start adding stuff to it and trying to make her funny or trying to make her kooky or trying to change it up a little bit, it's not good. Yeah. It, it's better. To me, it was better the first time I read it, mm. in a way. Yeah. Like, once I started doing it a lot, you want to try to stay spontaneous, so you need to change things a lot to change it. But truthfully, with that part, you want to keep it straight. The straighter it is, the better. And that was hard for me because I don't like to be so straight. And also when you don't have jokes or funny lines, like Sheila's the role to play in that. It's right. fun. You could do it for a long time. And she has all the funny. To me, comedy is much more fun to do in a long run because one, you're getting response from the audience. Mm-hmm. And two, you're constantly working at it. You have something to constantly work at or make better or make, or it doesn't work tonight. Oh, I can fiddle with it this way. There's, there's more intellect going on with it as opposed to the straight yeah, I think ingenues are hard because you just got you got to kind of stay straight. Yeah. And the less you do, sometimes the better. Yeah. And then that gets boring yeah. in the long runs. It definitely does. Yeah. And you mentioned uh, being a different time and having to be a stronger woman. Have you felt like you, as a woman in show business, have had to have an armor to protect yourself? Because it is, especially there's so much going on. But no one, everything I've ever heard about you, no, everyone talks about your kindness. So do you have to have a, when dealing with this business, do you have to be a little bit more of a buster? I don't know. I have not been that way. I'm not a a buster. I mean, as far as playing that role of Cassie, I just meant that I I, I played her at a different time. Mm -hmm. And and I have always played, I've always been a person that is, if somebody treats me badly, I'm a person who works my ass off. And everybody sees that. Yeah. And as long as you're trying hard, that's it. But if, if you're going to disrespect me in some way, I, I won't take it. Yeah. I'll just be like, you can't talk to me like that. And you know what? Directors see that. Jerome Robbins knew he couldn't talk to me like that. And mm-hmm. he didn't. Not that I wouldn't say it to him. It's just, they just can tell. Yeah. You know what I mean? And he had no right to because he could see I'm working my ass off and doing all that I can. And if you're going to 
pick on me. You know, I just was able to see that. And, and right. so nobody ever really picked on me. Oh, good. Because there was no reason to pick on me. Yeah. I just would never allow anybody to do a head trip on me. Yeah. So in that sense, I was a strong woman. And, and as far as Cassie was concerned, that's how I played her. Yeah. I played her as, you can't do a head trip on me at this point. You yeah. know, I'm asking you the truth here. I want to dance for you. I want to be in the show. This is who I am. And and our relationship was fucked up. And, and now it's done. And give me a job. You know, it's just a choice. And yeah. it's a different choice. And it's a different time. I have not had that problem. I've never felt I've had to be that person that comes in and is tough and strong. I've, I've gotten what I wanted in a... In a just an honest way yeah. and a straight way. Everything I've seen you in, you're always wonderful, but there's something about Pippin, for me, mm-hmm. that was my favorite favorite performance I've seen of you. And the show was magical. Besides working with your husband, what was so incredible about that show? Because I, I cried like three times oh, seeing it. Oh, I'm so happy because yeah. I, I have such a, a warm spot in that show. I loved that show. First of all, I loved Diane Paulus. I loved working with her. She's another person to me that is... Different than Jerome Robbins, Diane Pauls is a director. In the sense that Jerome Robbins was such a nitpicker about every, had to control everything. Mm. Diane Pauls is very much like, show me what you, any ideas? What do you have? What do you have? What do you have? What do you have? Give to me, give to me, give to me, and then I'm going to make it better. I'm going to make it better. I'm going to make it better. As opposed to a lot of people, you give them all their ideas, but they don't take it. She t- makes it better. Mm. So you, it's a real collaboration that just goes like this, climbs. And I loved her, and she was smart, and she did make things better. So many shows you go, and you just doesn't get better. And yeah. You know, why can't they just see that? And she saw it, and so I loved it. And also, she's a person that would be like at four in the morning, emailing, going, and you're like, oh, she's obsessed. I love it. <laughs> I love it because I am too. Yeah. And I, when you're when someone that's leading you, that's that obs- that's. You want that, you know? Working with my husband was a dream. It really was. I didn't think it was going to be. I thought, oh my God, we're going to hate each other. Because we spend so much time together, and so truthfully, our worlds going to our own shows or doing our own lives was nice. Because then we come home, we'd have something to talk about. I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to spend more time with him. Oh God. But then it, it just was magical because it was so nice to see him, to remember what I fell in love with and his talent yeah. and to watch him in rehearsal you know what I mean and how it was when I saw him in Cats and, and oh yeah that's what I love oh my god he's good oh god it, it, it just brought back so much of that which was nice in the mm. relationship so that was great and the show I also to me was magical and I loved every minute with my friend I, I became best Rachel Bay Jones is my dearest friend of mine now and it's interesting later in life to me you don't meet those friends that you meet when you're younger that mm-hmm. become that really hang on in, in secret. And she's one of those rare that came later in life that, you know, I always say, you're going to be at my deathbed. We're deathbed people. Yes. You're that for me. Yeah. And our children. And our children were so part of it. Yeah. With the acrobats. They've all learned, you know, lessons. And those acrobats. Also, the greatest people yeah. on earth never missed a show. Never. They would, and they would cover it. If somebody did because they had a broken back. Yeah. Literally, you, they would never miss a show unless they would, like literally couldn't walk. And they would all cover each other. They were the most amazing people I've ever met. And, and so knew how to take care of themselves. And they were, most of them were European and they lived in many countries and they spoke many languages and the work ethic. They were just of old school. Mm. Like 
old, old, old school. Truly impressive. Always 150%. Never. And never miss shows. They were really something. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, that's all I can say about that show. Yeah. It was, I loved it. I, didn't, I just got to go on and do my thing and then leave. And then I had a lot of time off stage. And it wasn't pressure. There was no pressure for me in that show. I, I just loved it. It was great. I just loved it. So do you have secrets to have like a successful family and seeing your husband? Do you have to make time? Do you do not talk about certain things? I mean, I saw you funny interaction with your daughter. How do you maintain all of that and have a crazy showbiz schedule and the hours? I don't know. You know, I feel like I'm slightly crazy. <laughs> I, you just sort of live kind of crazy. You just sort of live every day sort of like, oh my God. I'm going here and I'm going and you just sort of pick what's the priority of the day mm. do you know what I mean yes. you just kind of go with that and sometimes it is me sometimes it's like I have an audition and I just got to focus on everything and I don't care what you guys do today I can't even think about it I mean there are, there are those times not many most of the time it's their, their, their priority which is great actually it's a lot of um, finagling you're just mm. constantly finagling it's a little easier now because they're a little older but as far as the babysitting and the food, I mean, I still, to this day, it's like, do I have to think about what I have to feed them for dinner? I am so sick of that. Like, just, you know, have a piece of toast, you know, and, and fend for yourselves. I still am, like, figuring out meals. I can't stand it. I yeah. can't stand it. It's one of the things I'm like, oh, I've done this now for 14 years, 15 years. It's hard. Yeah. It's hard. Tonight I'm going out and I'm like, I got to figure out what they're going to eat. And now it's gotten really bad. I've gotten really lazy. Now I just like leave them the credit card. I'm like, order food. <laughs> well, in New York it's so easy to do that too. It is, but it ends up being very costly. So oh, I don't want to yeah. do too much. And plus, not very healthy. No, not at all. Not very healthy. Yeah. yeah. So of your incredible career, do you have a moment or a highlight that you're just like, that is something that stands out as something really special? No. You know, because mm. we've gone through all our shows. Yeah. And really, and, and I genuinely, when I'm saying, except I did say Course Line was a hard one. Yeah. I love doing that show. Oh my God, that show. Oh my God, that show. Mm. Right? Even when I've had big parts, small parts, lesser roles, all have been really spectacular and I've loved. I really can't say what is, was a high point. I mean, I have to say working with Jerome Robbins as a, just the art of it all and the the work and just living your life so immersed in it yeah. is just, was just, and it was a long process and it was grueling. It was seven months of rehearsal and then perform, but it was just seven uh, months of rehearsal, seven months of rehearsal. And how many parts did you do? I did actually a lot. There was a, he cast me mainly for a number that got cut during previews and it was mainly, it was just me and three guys and they would pop out. It was like a real Carol Burnett kind of number. Like you would think that she would do, which imagining she reading magazines from the 1920s and she's a housewife kind of and dreaming about you know Valentino and dreaming about all the different men mm. and the boy next door and and it was all done like silent movie physical and then the man that was her slave it was all funny character he spent six months rehearsing that thing and that's why he cast me actually initially for that anyway it got cut so I was in a room with him every day working on that number wow for seven months so that number was a huge number. I mean, that was like such a standout for me that ended up getting cut. But I did Anita and West Side Story. I did oh, song, uh, America. Yeah. I did America. Uh, Dance that, which was kind of fun. Yeah. And, and Peter Pan. And then a lot of little roles, but those were the main ones. And then that number that got cut. But anyway, it was that, that to me, as far as the rehearsal process, was really something. Oh. Um, 
and also just 60 people in the cast and the bonding and the it was incredible. Uh-huh. And it was a phenomenal show. Yes. I mean, phenomenal show. Yeah, but they're doing it regionally this summer. Isn't Cynthia Rubio she setting is, it? Yes, and if anybody could set it, it's her. Yeah. Well, I like to end the podcast with a song. It can be anything from your life. I'm going to play it. You don't have to sing it. It's right going on right now or a song that's like something that puts you in the right place. What song represent you, I guess, right now? I mean, I hate to be so, like, this is me. The one that's a big hit now, you know? Yeah. That's kind of corny, but I would say that's that song. And only because just trying to reinvent yourself in a world, whatever your past and whoever you are, and just trying to be the best that you can be now, and, and this is who I am, and accept it. Accept me as I am. Well, I think that's wonderful. And you are definitely reinventing yourself, and I can't wait to see what you do next. Hey, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much. I am not a stranger to the dark. Hide away, they say, because we don't want your broken parts. I've learned to be ashamed of all my scars. Run away, they say, no one will love you as you are. But I won't let them break me down to dust. I know that there's a place for Down. I'm gonna send the blood, gonna drown them out. I am brave, I am bruised, I am who I'm meant to be. This is me. Look out, cause here I come. And I'm marching on to the beat I drum. I'm not scared to be seen. I make no apologies. This is me. Gonna send a blood, gonna drown a man. This
is brave, this is bruised, this is who I'm meant to be, this is me. <laughs>